just understanding who you are is such an important skill set because you're accepting what is, you know? And, and that is the first step to creating the next best chapter for yourself. Hey, you. You're listening to Not Yet, the podcast about our relationships and how they're the keys to our self-discovery. I'm your host, Paige Polk. I'm a community builder and Emmy award-winning digital media artist, channeling the powers of introspection. You're in the right place if you're mindful about the world you create and believe it's possible for us all to belong. I'm so grateful you're here. Now let's start the show. Hey, it's Paige, and I'm hopping in before this episode with a little PSA, as this is the final episode of 2021 for Not Yet. We will be back, of course, in the new year with a new episode, January 11th, which is a Tuesday, as always. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoy this exciting episode with sexologist and co-founder of Dame Products, Alex Fine. Hello. Welcome back to the Not Yet Podcast, the community healing project about self-love, about self-understanding, about fulfillment. And we are here today with a super special person, a super special guest. Her name is Alex Fine. Hey, Alex. Hi, Paige. Have I told you recently how wonderful your name is? No. You you have a great name. You have alliteration. It's true. It's magic. But you know something about Alex Fine. It just flows off the tongue. And also, Fine is a great word in general. And it's short Mm -hmm. and it's sweet. And I think about the nanny, but in the best way. The best way. The absolute best way. Like I mean, hold on. There are only good ways to think about the nanny. I'm not familiar with Mm -hmm. negative ways, so. Absolutely. You think, uh, qualifies, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, to give you all a little intro about Alex, uh, Alexandra Fine is a lifelong student of sexual health. She's the co-founder and CEO of Dame Products, a credentialized sexologist and a member of the Forbes 30 Under 30 2018. She co-founded Dame Products to start necessary conversations, to listen rather than assume, and to create products that enhance intimacy. After earning her master's in clinical psychology with a concentration in sex therapy from Columbia, Fine decided to lend her passion and expertise to the world of sex tech. Yeah. That sound about right? That does sound about right. So I'm always like, I really, I really, I think like ending year, great time to like redo the bio, you know, like sit with it. Who, who am I? I don't fucking know. Is that me? I'm like, yeah, mostly checks out. Yeah. It is you. It is you, but I also feel like there's a lot more to you. So can you tell me in the not yet community who you are beyond the bio? Yeah. Oh, I'm a Pisces, but my moon is a Leo. Uh, and my rising is a Libra. <laughs> I... I don't know. I, I'm a friend. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm a new mom. And I am passionate about creating more pleasure in the world. And that for me has really started with, with sexual pleasure. For, and I'm excited to see where that goes and expands for me. But yeah, I'm see, I, I started, like, like the bio says, I started a company called Dame. Mostly I make sex toys. It's really fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I love that when you're talking about who you are, it's not about what you do. Yeah. I think I really, you know, I also, identity, man. Like, you know, I also like, do I even exist? Am I any of these things? Like what makes me, I, I, I can get super off when I go to write my bio. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like woo. Um, how can you write a bio for someone who doesn't really exist? <laughs> uh, I don't know. But yeah, I, I do feel like it's also like how I do it. And I think like, I like to think that who I am is also like the feeling I leave people with if I can and that feels like the most important thing Mm -hmm. 
well, as a person who has interacted with you, who has feelings, once you leave my ephemeral space, I can say that the feeling that I have that you leave me with is joy. Cool. Silliness. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be my new bio. <laughs> joy, silliness. I need one more. You got one more? Inspiration. Mm. Great. Done. That'll be my full bio. <laughs> Good luck. Other people trying to introduce me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's true. It's actually, it's the truth. Um, we initially met, I want to say in 2015. That sounds right. Yes. That feels that right. Out. I was in that building yeah, that met. year. <laughs> in 2015, uh, I was working at a little old startup called the skin deep and you were starting up yes dame in the and same we, building yeah and we, we meet in the elevator <laughs> i think that we met in the elevator and we had some really cute elevator experiences that blossomed into a hallway friendship I agree. <laughs> I agree. And I think we had a similar morning routine because we would run into the elevator, run into each other in the elevator regularly because yeah, we would I mean, arrive at the same time. I guess. I, mean, I, I think it was meant to be. I think it's I fake. think it was meant to be. I was I, I, you know what it was? I was waiting for you downstairs and every time you just came <laughs> into the office, you'd be like, oh, finally, you came to the elevator now. The page is here. Um... <laughs> But yeah, I think that's a really special way to get to know people. I'm definitely feeling um, like there there are certain things about this newer world, this slightly different world that feel better. But right now I'm feeling sadness about like, I have no elevator friends right now. Chance encounters aren't. Chance encounters. Beautiful. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I ran into an acquaintance. Yeah. I would argue it might be harder to have acquaintances. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. true, but I didn't realize how much I valued acquaintances until they got really gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's true. Actually, um, yeah, I don't know. My friends always make fun of me because, like, I'm always meeting new people. So, like, I guess I should have realized that that was going to suck. That there will be no new people. I'll just be stuck with my like best friends all the time in COVID. <laughs> you do feel like it seems like you do have that gift yeah sure we can call it a gift that's I love meeting new people um and I love connecting with people and I feel like I can it feels easy to me it feels energizing to me to connect with people um which I think is very in line with yeah. the way that you live your life, you use, it seems to me as a person on the outside world, mm-hmm. um, it seems to me that whether it's with your work or whether it's with your elevator encounters, <laughs> uh, whether it's with writing your bio that you lead it with, with joy, it really seems like if you're not having fun, then why are you doing it? Yeah, I agree. And I think that that's such a beautiful way to live life. <laughs> I do want to say, though, because I, I, I feel like sometimes it's good. I don't, I'm not, I don't really feel like hedonism, though. Like, you know, it's not just like all just, I mean, I can, I'm definitely a little bit of a lush for sure. But I do think like sometimes you have to do hard work and do things that you don't want to do or things that don't feel good because the end result will feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah, I felt like it was important to make that that clarification. No, the clarification is important because I think, uh, I'll speak for myself. I personally have a tendency (laughs) when things feel uh, really challenging or things feel like they're not me, um, that I want to run away from it altogether. Yeah. Yeah. And something I'm learning right now is when something doesn't feel necessarily right, that doesn't mean that it's not right for me right now. That doesn't mean that it's not aligned with who I'm becoming. And sometimes that friction is an opportunity for me to get to know myself better. Totally. I also think uh, there's just difficult conversations are really important to have and they don't feel good when you're having them, you know? 
I feel like there's something on your mind right now when you see this. (laughs) I get, yeah, maybe. I just, it's sometimes, it's hard. I don't know that when there, there are, there are moments when you were talking about moments of wanting to run away, I really connected with that feeling. It was like, Oh, sometimes I just want to run away and I don't want to face the challenges. You know, I don't want to have these conversations. I, you know, like it it can be so hard sometimes. And and I think as a boss and um, a leader, there more is more of that or manager, all of that. There's just more of those conversations. You're giving feedback more. Ooh, the F word. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm so, you know, and I think like, it's so true feedback. <sighs> it's something I've realized. And I think I only, I feedback's a lot. Of, feedback is love. Feedback can be really be a love language. Um, I don't know. I'll leave that there. I don't know if that is helpful. Like feedback can also be really, you know, not well received or not heard or like I can miss the mark. I think it's important to define feedback, right? Because as a person who's been in lots of startup spaces, that's like a triggering word for me. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, And well, actually, I would like you to define feedback because that's the word you're using. Yeah, I think feedback is any any time where you are explaining your experience that somebody else created, and like letting them know how it made you feel, and then maybe like expressing new needs. Oh, expressing new needs. Articulating your needs, articulating your yeah. Well, feedback—the way I teach (laughs) feedback at Dave and how to give it—is based in nonviolent communication. Um, Nonviolent communicate like this has got like a framework of how you give feedback because if you think about in relationships, you're constantly giving feedback too. Like when you're um, and like you're you're supposed to if you're following the rules of this feedback form, which I think can become a little restrictive, but. What, what are your observations? What are you observing? I'm seeing that like this is edited here instead of here. It makes me feel like um, whatever it makes me feel like I'm trying to think of what you do. So, cause I did editing. So, but I don't, I don't know. It's cool. <laughs> Maybe that's like additionally triggering. I shouldn't do that. Like let's switch it. Um, I observed that you haven't showered in a, in a <laughs> which like how Why are you reading that right now Alex? yeah <laughs> and it makes me feel empowered like I cannot shower and um yeah now I don't want to shower and I'm not going to shower anymore and I need you to never shower again <laughs> that's my request I request that you never shower again okay that's like the format though I just use it in a very strange and silly way um, and I think that's really helpful. And I think it's really key to understand the difference between your, um, observation and a judgment. Like I, like you're being rude is a judgment, mm-hmm. right? You're cutting me off is an observation. Um, and trying to express those things, um, and just being, yeah, clear in what you're saying um, and intentional. So I don't know. That's feedback. Yeah, that. Feedback like be good. Feedback, be good. <laughs> feedback doesn't have to just be bad. It's literally anytime I'm giving you feedback. Yeah, I, well, I know that this is a, this is definitely a personal share, but I have a, um, like I, I think one of my swarming fears around feedback is actually a swarming fear around judgment, which goes back to not being enough. But why does it always go back to that? Like not being enough, not being sufficient, not being worthy. And when mine, all, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really what it's. Those are that's a core one. Yeah, because I was thinking, you know, mine often loop to like people not thinking I'm a good person or like, like not being liked, which really is not being enough. I was like, and then I sat with it for a second. Oh yeah. It does end up there. <laughs> it, it, does. It, it ends up there. Um, 
You know our, uh, you know what else? Anger almost always ends up at sadness. Oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you angry about? Like, actually, you're sad about something, but you are. I'm not trying to. You're angry. Like yeah. that's the feeling you're having. That is definitely that's where you are. But it's amazing how when I sit with my anger, I'm like, oh, oh, I'm sad. I'm sad that I didn't communicate. I'm sad that like, or I'm just sad. It is what it is. I'm like, mm-hmm. this is not what I wanted. Yeah. It sad. Yeah. There's a space between what is and what I expected. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. being able to articulate your emotions is such a skill. And we don't fucking teach it. And I also think that the place we would be most likely to teach it is in sex ed, because that's where like the conversation around consent and physical feelings really kind of like explodes. And yes, I don't know. Sometimes I want to be like, why don't we have just conversation, like consent as a conversation and expressing our emotions and feelings and all of that should be taught more explicitly and nonverbal yeah. communication. Like what do we say with our bodies? Because our emotions are just data. It's just information that our minds and our bodies are giving us about how we're interacting with or perceiving the situation that we're in. Totally. And if we're angry about something, that's information. That's that's cool to acknowledge that you're angry about something. Yeah. If you're happy about something. That's information. If you're disappointed about something. I just think like the first step too, and I can't believe how hard it is just recognizing how you're feeling. Like how just seem like pe- people, like we, we ask each other all the, all the time, like, Oh, how are you? How are you feeling today? And like, we rarely actually check in and try and express how we're feeling. And I actually, and then people, I don't know, people are like, oh, we shouldn't ask, we should ask a different question. Like, I don't know. Maybe we should just answer the question. Um, Want to know something cool? What? The background to my computer is an emotions wheel. It's so amazing. I was just like trying to get, because I have, I, my daughter, like her, for art, I want to get her like an emotion wheel, but what they have actually is just like faces, like angry, happy, sad. So I don't even do with that because, she does not read because she doesn't know how to do anything. How she's, is she? How old is she now? She's six months. Oh, yeah. So she's not, you know, like reading full novel yet. No, she's not. But I think that it's such a, it's so helpful. It's so helpful. I'm going to do something with that. I don't know what it is yet, but thank you for this moment and sparking something. I'm a manifesting generator. So as soon as I get an idea, I'm like, da, da, da. <laughs> I'm also a manifest, a manifesting generator. Um, I've never like gotten super deep into that, but I am that in according to birthday and that guy who made stuff up. <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so I want to look back around because overall it sounds like we're talking about self-awareness and Self-awareness is always a great tool when you're living your life. Like Mm -hmm. understanding how you're responding to a situation will help you figure out what your actual needs are, what your goals are, what your dreams are. And I think it can be challenging for people to not only acknowledge what they're actually believing, um, but to figure out that what we need is not necessarily what is going to feel super, super good in the, in the moment. And as someone who works a lot with pleasure, you know, not only being the founder of Dame, but, you know, also thinking about how to build beautiful things, whether it means a family or, or a team or uh, like being culturally visible. Uh, what does it look like to live with pleasure? But honestly, I don't know. It's a hard question to answer. It's like, what does it look like to live with alignment? You know, that's what first came to mind. I do think like pleasure helps us have alignment, you know, like what feels good and right for us because it's the right thing for us to do. And I think that that's how um, we live our best lives. I think that the happiest people are the people that um often seem the most spiritually awake or whatever that is the most are people who are living a life 
in alignment. And I think that knowing our pleasure helps us live that life to take the rest when we need to take a rest to, to go out and like pursue something when we realize like we, you know, you sit with a, you sit until the towel pulls you or, or something pulls you inside to do something. And then that's, um, what it looks like. And then I think for me, you know, it's a struggle. I'm not doing it, you know, you don't do it all the time. Um, so I don't know if I'm, I'm necessarily like living the best example of that, but I think my best days are when I like, you know, wake up and I meditate for a little bit. I think about what, what, what does a great day look like today? And then try and use that as a guiding light for the tasks I want to do and the things I want to accomplish or just not accomplish. Um, but yeah, it's tough. Like, you know, cause my whole, my whole week, like is, is often planned, you know, I have so many meetings and there probably are still some days where like what I want to do is nothing. I just want to like go for a walk or something. So that makes me feel like I, I think I saw an Adam Grant Instagram version of a tweet. (laughs) And uh, um, it was like, you know, people shouldn't need to recharge on the holidays. You know, we shouldn't be working people to the point of them feeling like they need to recharge. We should be like connecting during that time. And I think that that is definitely one of the things that's really hard to do in like, in our society. Um, yeah. Capitalism. It always loops back to that now, doesn't it? Kind of, I don't know. As a capitalist <laughs> in some ways, I, I don't know. It could always loop back to the patriarchy. It could always loop back <laughs> to our feelings of not worthy. Right. But really it's actually like all of it. Mm-hmm. I have a question for you. Yeah. What do you need right now? I don't know. I, this is so nice. Honestly, it's so nice to get to just talk and connect with a friend and have a conversation that will hopefully just honestly, just to have the conversation feels really nice. Um, yeah, I probably do need a little bit more rest probably do need a little bit more rest. What does it look like to be intentional about your rest? That's a great question. I, yeah, I think where I'm struggling with is like, for me, like this, this, like, because I love connecting with people, it, it's like, oh, maybe like, do I want to like, I want to be with friends, like in my resting state, but that's not really sometimes, I think maybe what I, what I need is just to like lay down and, well, I can't paint laying, well, you could paint laying down, Frida did it, boom. Um, some of, arguably some of her best work. but maybe painting or doing a creative act you know where i get really entranced sometimes is like coloring books those can be so nice um yeah what does today look like as a great day i didn't ask myself that question like what is it's not too late What's, what's a great day for you a great day for me a great day for me is waking up to the sun Mm. waking up to the sun and it's still being early and early for me is 7 a.m or before okay you know if you have a kid that will be really easy to do (laughs) if you want to if you want to life hack that oh um. amazing (laughs) wonderful (laughs) it's also starting the day with meditation And it doesn't necessarily have to be my mind is silent or that it's empty, but that I am with it. Yes. 
And I think meditation can look like so many things. Journaling is an mm-hmm. amazing form of meditation. And I have like some Buddhist friends that would be like, this is not meditation. You know, <laughs> I can be like, I, but I, I love what you just said. Cause I think that that idea that meditation is supposed to have nothing in your head is mm-hmm. why so many people think they're doing meditation is wrong. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you can do meditation wrong yeah. is wrong. <laughs> Capital W. Yeah. You can't do meditation wrong. You can't. Meditation is just being with yourself. It's just being with yourself. Here you want to know though is wrong is, um, one time I told somebody about like my meditation practice and they're like, Oh yeah. Like I, I like play video games <laughs> and I, first of all, I play video games or I get it. Like flow state of distraction is unbelievable. When you asked me what I could use for rest, there was a part of me that was like, man, what if I like started playing league of legends again or something? Cause it was on, it's just like such a great way of like dipping out and entering a flow state, but it's, you're not with yourself. You're not with yourself. And I think that is probably the one boundary that you need in order for meditation to be right. But I don't know, is dancing meditation? Like I definitely think like- I definitely believe dancing is meditation. If anything, I think- I think if it's not performative dancing or if you're you're following choreography or if you're dancing in a certain way, like uh, growing up for me, dancing was almost more of a sport. And then that Mm -hmm. sometimes- I feel like dancing feels like a meditation when it's free form. Mm-hmm. When it's an expression of yourself. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. And I think that connection between your mind and your body. Speaking as someone who has struggled with coordination. <laughs> is beautiful. Totally. You know when else your mind and body like get a beautifully connect? <gasps> Tell me. Sex. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> ah. I believe that and I believe it and also I'm I have struggled with sex my entire sexual life. Yeah. I've I've struggled with I've struggled with the intimacy required to do it and have fun. Yeah. I've struggled with the similar to like meditation of being with myself, like masturbation has always been really hard for me because I have struggled to be present with my body and really be honest about how I'm feeling and not necessarily my emotions. I think I'm pretty good at knowing my emotions, but like acknowledging pleasure in my body has been really challenging for me. Yeah. And as one of the many reasons I love what you do because yes, Dame is about pleasure and it's also about acknowledging your pleasure and building your capacity to experience your pleasure and, and not judging you. We were on a campaign recently. It's about getting in touch with yourself, you know, but like really like touching yourself and getting it, like get to know what you like and what you dislike and getting to know who you are. Um, I think all of that is what sex is about um, and what Dave is about and oh, I want to know more about your challenges <laughs> more about my challenges uh, or just like challenges? what feels <laughs> does, do you, are there things like can you visualize a few things that you do really like sexually or when you're masturbating do you like, is there any fantasy that you like? Is there any way of laying down that you like? I really, okay. So I have been, all of my relationships have been with women or gender non-conforming femmes, sexual and emotional with like a few exceptions, like, I've been with a couple cishet men and it, it didn't feel like sex to me. It felt like, like a mechanism. I had a, a, a friend <laughs> once tell me it feels like somebody is jerking off inside of her. Oh, does that yeah. resonate with you? It does resonate with me. I it think does. that's a common queer or 
yeah, I, I, th- this. Okay, so alone. it lands. Amazing. Yeah. You're not and, alone. <laughs> and the moments where I've, I've felt like an emotional connection to the person that I'm with, it's been with women and femmes. And has it ever felt like that? Yeah. That was that? Because you used the word emotional connection. I was curious if you would ever describe it as a sexual or sensual connection. No, I wouldn't. Cool. Yeah. I like that question though, because I think that's where, that's where I, I, I have a lot of challenges. Yeah. Is like transitioning from emotional to sexual is for me, releasing control. Mm. It's releasing control of my mind, releasing control of my body, my response yeah. to sensation, that visibility, that nakedness, like literally emotionally, yeah, is very, very hard for me. And like even in my relationship of now five years, yeah, that's still something that I struggle with. Do you ever dance sexy? I have not for yourself? But, but but my teenage sexual awakening, well. One of my teenage sexual awakenings was Ciara's ride video with Ludacris. I didn't have to go watch it. I don't remember that one. Oh my God. I was like, how is she doing that with her body? Why do I feel this way? (laughs) I think that would be really good for me, actually. I'm starting pole dancing classes in January. I feel like that could be really good for you. And also, or just like, yeah, taking photos of yourself whatever like reminding yourself that you reminding yourself that you can look and feel sexy in a way that resonates for you is that would be my my prescription oh thank you (laughs) dr fine yeah i think that's that that sounds like maybe you would benefit from that that could be really nice for you that would uh, be really maybe. cool. I think that the, the challenge for me with that is I've, I've ingested so many conflicting ideas about what sexy even is, yeah, what sexy yeah. looks and feels like, that it's hard for me to identify it in my own body. Yeah. I, can, I also think that like, I went on a little journey where I, so I love to perform. And... Oh my God, there's like so many levels to this journey, but just sexually, you know, like I realized like, oh, wow, I sexually perform and like, I'm doing like just writing out these scripts that I've taken in. Like, are these my scripts? I don't know. And then like, try to like, really like, am I feeling pleasure? Am I feeling pleasure? Like, oh, I'm only going to moan if I really, really, really feel it. And then that actually kind of were some of, sometimes some of the worst sexual experiences I had um, where I, I think I was overanalyzing my pleasure versus just being like, fuck it. I like this. I don't know why. It might be for <laughs> fucked up reasons. That probably for fucked up reasons. I'm going with it. Like I'm going with it because it feels good and it has this really powerful release and uh, and I enter a different state. And I don't know. So I don't know if that resonates for you or if that's helpful. But like, It does resonate. And I know why it does, because I felt that same fear. <laughs> <laughs> that same fear of exposure that I feel when I'm th- like processing like sexuality as when you were talking about it. So. <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. It's so... Um, it's so individual and then there's so many collective experiences that we all have. And I do think that a lot of like what feels sexy when we're 13, <laughs> um, both really changes, but also something about it. It's like core. Like, I think sometimes we have like these weird fetishes from when we're like, I think like boys my age all love like those two pieces of hair in the front. <laughs> Because like that, that's what was that, like that moment in time. That was critical. <laughs> that's critical. Um, but yeah, 
I think I've also feel more easily more comfortable too with those scripts as I realize like I've taken part whatever it is that I like or don't like yeah and I do think safety is kind of like oh yeah that's foundational foundational I can't believe we we started talking about pleasure without talking about safety yeah (laughs) (laughs) safety is definitely uh foundational especially like if I I think that sex is fun because it can feel like I love playing with power dynamics. I love, I love it when my partner, where I feel safe enough for him to say things that um, are not are not as safe, if you will. Like, <laughs> but I wouldn't, you know, because I've entered like a different state. I wouldn't want him to maybe say those things to me if we were just like walking down the street or something. I swear to God, I was thinking walking down the street before yeah. you said that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I do think safety is foundational. I want to bring this back because a lot of the the tools and conversations and frameworks that we can build around sex apply in all of our relationships. They yes, yes. they apply in our daily lives. Yes. And but also that's also true for the fears that we have yes. <laughs> in sex uh, applying in our, in our daily lives. And I'm curious, as someone who's had lots of conversations about sex and someone who's had lots of conversations about what sounds like alignment. Yeah. What does it feel like for you when you are aligned? That's a great question. I think alignment feels, um, I feel healthy. I feel excited to go about my daily activities. I just feel calmness in the uncertainty. Um, I... Yeah, I, I I feel good is what alignment feels like. Not that it feels easy, but um, it's like what is what is thriving and well being feel like? You know, it's kind of what it feels like, but it, it's hard to like pinpoint because I don't think you get to a point where like you know suffering stops like life is suffering in some ways in a lot of ways it like is kind of constant um it's about accepting what is and feeling good about how you're moving through your reality i have two things that really stood out for me in what you said one of which is calmness yeah and uncertainty yeah, uncertainty. We have a real issue with that. Oh, me too. <laughs> um, oh, I feel I feel good in uncertainty. I feel like the idea of certainty is just an illusion. And I feel like these past two years have been a real um, master class in handling uncertainty. And we all took it and we fucking... Maybe we didn't crush the course, but we took it and we passed. We're still here. So that's really great. These get degrees, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and like, uh, for me, you know, a big lesson is like you, it's important to, for me as a leader, it was important to f- provide clarity in the uncertainty mm-hmm. as much as I could and to really, you know, just to communicate, uh, what we're seeing, what's going around, what, what our plans are and just to both create more certainty for the team and also help them understand that like this is uncertainty and that like we can thrive in it. It sounds like focusing on an intention within the chaos, focusing on an intention within the chaos. Definitely. And also like I don't, do you ever read A Man's Search for Meaning? 
No, what's, tell me, tell me about it. I will tell you about it. Victor Frank Bonkel, I think was the psychologist's name who wrote it. Um, it's a pretty good book. I think the lessons of the book are amazing. Um, he's a Holocaust survivor and a therapist. And he's just talking a lot about like what he sees as far as like, you know, people, uh, what makes a, a, a thriving life and a thriving day to day and how people who, you know, he, he touches on a few things about like the importance of having purpose in your life and feeling like you have a life purpose and how like, you know, not having a job can be really demoralizing for people. And he also talks a lot about like, you know, his experience in the Holocaust and learning to that, like Eve, that we always have agency in our space of how we respond to the world around us. And that is incredibly, that's a really powerful thing to remember. Um, and that you, you know, still get to make your, your choices and, you know, the ways he kind of found purpose through that experience. Um, and I guess like the big life lessons that I took away from that, you know, is that like, you have a lot of agency in how you respond to, to moments. Um, and this, you know, I don't know. I, I find that so freeing and so reassuring is that I get to, to respond to a moment and that I have control over that response. And I guess like when the pandemic happened, it was definitely a moment to like, you know, how do you respond? How do you respond? And also, that's actually related to the second thing I heard from you, and that's accepting what is. Yeah. Yeah, you need... And also, earlier when you were talking about, like, knowing yourself, like, I think there's, like, one of the reasons why self-awareness is the most... One of the most important things you can cultivate is because it's... Um, under, in order to understand truth, you need to understand like your perspective on it. So knowing like just understanding who you are is like such an important skill set because you're accepting what is, you know, and, and that is the first step to making any changes or, or creating the, the next best chapter for yourself. So like in Buddhism, they have a, like a, a concept called upaya, which is like, it means tra- directly sca- translates to skill and means. And I've always kind of skill in means or skill and means in skill in means. Um, so kind of like what you can accomplish based on your, your current surroundings. Um, and I think that in order to have like good action, you need to understand the reality of your situation and the truth of it and like face it and know what really what it is. Um, and that feels really important and really scary for people. But I think that when we pretend that like, I'm trying to think of the right example here, but like, yeah, take your time. mm, Oh yeah. I have time. I never realized that. Um, trying to think of like an example of like where we just mis- misidentify the root cause or the root causes or oversimplify um and then we create a policy or that that tries to like address it but it's not addressing it because it's not the root cause um you're putting a band-aid on you're putting a band-aid on it or yeah i, I just think it, and sometimes people don't want to admit that the truth is the truth and like it's not like it's I'm following. So you're following me. Am I, I making am. sense? Like I, I think there's so many examples of it, but for some reason I'm trying, I like struggle to like find a tangential, like a, a good one or, but yeah, like it's, um, yeah, it's important to like see things for what it is. Cause that's the, that's the best way you can respond mm-hmm. to create the best outcome. And I think it's really hard to understand what best is, but the path that feels right for you and in alignment for you. Um, if you don't know the, like, you can't see the road 
your steps are blind, you know? So I think a lot of people remain intentionally blind to the road because once they acknowledge the road for what it is, they'll realize that they're in a completely wrong place. Totally. In fact, like I'm even, yeah, I think that that's, that's very accurate and it's, it's easier to ignore certain parts of the road. It's, it can be really, it can be, I'm thinking about privilege right now, I guess. Like I think a lot of people struggle to acknowledge their privilege. It feels like they're taking away their hard work when they acknowledge their privilege. And I think that it's important. Oh my God, my brain. Um, it, it's in, It's really important to acknowledge both and to hold space for both of those mm-hmm. things. Um, because when you realize you have privilege, you realize there's something you can do with it. And that's really important and beautiful. And it doesn't have to be, it's not a bad thing. Um, and it doesn't mean you didn't work hard. I went into Thanksgiving dinner with like the idea that I was going to convince my family members. Sorry if this is not uh, triggering in any way, but <laughs> that, white, that white privilege exists. And I got, and it was such an interesting conversation. I got to white advantage. Okay. I was, that's what I said. I was like, okay. I'll <laughs> like, you guys are, so they're, they're triggered by the, the word, by the word privilege and the way they, um, what my aunt, who I really got, who we had such a great conversation with, I, who I had such a great conversation with feels like it's been used to strip her from like all, all the work and, and her obstacles, which she certainly had and are valid too. She was like one of the first female orthopedic surgeons, like, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> pretty cool. But, you know, she's also middle-class and white and that's different than if, you know, she could have had more privilege and that also means she could have had less privilege and it exists. Um, Anyway, white advantage. We got to white advantage. <laughs> um, I think there's value in recognizing the, the challenge in language. There, yes. Because yeah. you sometimes people can lose access to the concept because they're held up on the language. And I think also recognizing truth is usually much more complicated. Like I think there there's like I I, I think like keep it simple. But actually, sometimes when we're really trying to understand our actions and our feelings and our behaviors, they're complicated. And like, we can't, like, if, if there was anything I learned from, what the fuck was that movie called? With Joy and all the emotions. Joy Luck Club? No, no. Joy was the main character that represented Joy. It was a Pixar film where it was like her emotions in her brain and they have to go, do you know, do you know what I'm talking I about? I know exactly what you're talking about. What? That movie, if that movie told us anything, you know, we can have complex emotions and complex memories. Things can bring us joy and sadness at the same time, and that's valid. We can be really upset that we're getting divorced and also and really angry with somebody and really appreciative of also what they brought to us. We can love them and not want to be with them. We can miss them and not want to talk to them. Like these are all valid feelings we contain multitudes alex we contain multitudes ah oh cool very cool yeah. very cool and an understanding that we can contain multitudes that takes a lot of the pressure off of yeah having to feeling that we need to feel a certain way about a certain thing it's like i feel all of it i feel all of it yeah so many feelings Sometimes I usually just say feelings. Like I definitely do that when I'm like just overwhelmed by feelings. And yeah, I would say, the, and I think another kind of going back to that conversation about self-awareness and understanding our bodies and our feelings, knowing when we're in a heightened state or not heightened state and it being less too, I think for me, realizing my energy levels just up, my heart rates up. Sometimes that means I'm excited. And sometimes that means I'm scared. And sometimes it's a little bit of both, but they have a similar feel physiological response. Like there's just like, like this heightenedness. And in that heightenedness, I tend to react slightly differently than in a calmness. Mm-hmm. 
and again, not better or worse, none of that, just like different. So like at least acknowledging it. And then I can be like, oh, I'm in a heightened space right now. Can you share one practice that's helping you discover who you are? I think once a year you should write your eulogy. Okay. Like, what do you want people to say about you when you're dead? And you can think, you can do this practice thinking about different people and it will help you realize how you want to like present yourself to them. Like, what do you want? And if you want to be less death focused, even though I think <laughs> you should I mean, I love death. a little bit of morbidity. Let's yeah, think morbidity honest. is good. And I think death is amazing. And I can talk about death forever. And I think you should use this as a death practice. But because I think it will help you realize like, who do you want to be? What do you want the story to be? How do you want to be remembered? You can also imagine if someone, if you were going to, there was going to be a PR article, you're getting an award, right? What award are you getting? And what are they saying about you before you get the award? And I feel like that can also be a really, it can help create a lot of clarity and intention and, and who you want to be and how, what you want to get done. But again, I just want to say you can go with the award, but I do think the death thing is fucking powerful. Like, next level magic i Um, love the eulogy practice thank you i'm gonna do that yeah yeah Uh thank you so much alex thanks for having me thanks for the new bio oh (laughs) i am pleased um can you share real quick where we can find you on the internet and what you're up to yeah i am on the internet um you can find me well, Dame Products is dameproducts.com. And I am a fine human because I'm Alex Fine. So I'm a fine and I'm a human. It's like the one thing about my identity I'm like pretty sure about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Instagram, that's where I'm at. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Not Yet. The podcast is hosted by me, Paige Polk, and produced by Paige Polk International. The show art is made by Elizabeth Olguin and the music is by Elder. Don't forget to subscribe here. And if you want more of this love in your life, visit notyetseries.com to join the Not Yet Project and community. I'll see you next week.